Welcome to another episode of the Childhood Evolved Podcast. I'm your host, Teacher Alex. This show is all about continuing to evolve the state of childhood forward, and it really wasn't that long ago in our history as humans that the state of childhood wasn't even considered to exist, and it's evolved forward because people have pushed it forward one step at a time. So my name's Alex, and I'm a preschool teacher. I've had a lot of questions throughout the years of my career, and instead of coming up with a lot of answers to match, I mostly have come up with new questions, which is great because in seeing the environment and the children and everything that happens with this frame of mind where I'm questioning, it helps me enter into conversations with myself, with other staff, with families and with children. And through having the dialogue and the openness to converse and to not sort of think that everything's simple, to be open to the complexity can take me even deeper and I consider that to be a critical part of continuing to evolve everything forward. So much information is available out there these days. And so my goal with the show is to just start these conversations here with you, the listener, so that you can make more informed decisions, whether you're a parent or a teacher or whatever the case may be. So if you haven't done so already, I'd really like to encourage you to check out my Patreon account, which you can get to at www.patreon.com slash childhood evolved. It's really just a way for you to participate in the show and be a member of the community and it's really, really cool to see the listeners grow. And like I mentioned last episode, I log on to my Anchor account and see where people are listening from. And now there's even more people in Brazil listening, which is really super cool. So shout out to all those people in Brazil. It's really cool to see the show kind of take off like that. And I know last time I asked if people would please rate me on iTunes or wherever wherever they're listening. And I noticed a few people did that. And so that's super helpful. It helps the show kind of uh, bump up and be seen by more people. And it helps the show grow. And so ultimately, the more the show grows, the more listeners there are, and the more people that join Patreon, it enables me to just make a, a little bit of money. I mean, podcasting certainly doesn't pay that much. And it's not the reason I do it. But if I can generate just a little bit of income from it, I can buy more equipment. And if I can buy more equipment, I can start doing interviews and, and making the show even better. So really would appreciate it if you could check out the Patreon. And I'll, I'll, link the, I'll put the link to the website in the show notes as well. And as I've mentioned before, I'd like to give shout-outs to the people that do sign up. And so shout-out again to Kathy in Rhode Island, and thanks for being a patron. So another thing I've done is asked people what they kind of want to hear about on the show since I, I really want it to be relevant to the listener. And one of the most common answers I'll get are things that have to do with risk-taking, safety, fear, anxiety, and how to manage all that with children. And so I've been thinking of doing this episode for a while and kind of tying things together in my own mind and getting ready to speak on it. And, you know, I remember reading something years ago, and it, it cited a study showing that Children who fall and they break a bone during childhood are going to be less prone to anxiety later on as adults. I can't remember the exact study or the details, unfortunately. It was quite a while ago. But really, it makes sense when you think about it from this perspective, from this point of view. So much of our fear is about the unknown and not knowing how we would cope. And so the more children are exposed to when they're younger, the more they're going to feel strong and powerful as they grow up. Not that it's necessarily a good thing or we should be encouraging broken bones, but really... 
more of encouraging risk-taking and trying new things, which is what I want to get to today in this episode. So right now in Southern California, we're entering this wildfire season, which I kind of have in quotes because the official season, I guess, has grown longer and longer due to climate change. And really, fires can happen at any time here in SoCal, especially during droughts. Um, But in my mind, in my memory, it always seems to be October, which is the worst month. And it's wildfires present a unique challenge for young children because they, they see the smoke in the air, they smell it, and a lot of times they happen to catch the news footage and they'll see houses burning and things like that on TV and hear the adults talking. And so it can become really, really concrete to them. They're seeing houses on TV burn and then they are smelling the smoke in the air all around them. And so it can be really hard to explain to a three or a four-year-old that their house is safe from fire while those houses are in a different area or whatever the case may be. Because, you know, I live down in the city and I, I'm pretty sure wildfires can't jump down and spread through the, the whole city. That's pretty terrifying. But I think pretty much it is in those hilly, forested areas. But we do see the smoke and smell it here in the city. It was really strong Friday morning. And the sun, like when it's getting ready to set, it turns blood red. And it's, it's super creepy on those days. And we have these days every year, or at least in the last few years we have. Um, and even for me, like I went to my favorite spot for a nature hike this weekend without really thinking about it, but I noticed I'm getting closer and closer to the smoke and it is up in the mountains and everything's just so super duper dry and windy and hot and the fires aren't really that far away. And so it was, had me on edge just a little bit, um, even as an adult. So that's one thing where it can be, it can be hard to kind of transmit that sense of safety and security to the child, which is really at the base and at the heart of what we do with children. We want them to experience a certain level of fear and be at their threshold and take risks and all of that. And we don't just dive right into the deep end on that. We actually start with a secure relationship and a secure environment. And I'll I'll get kind of more towards that uh, later on in the episode. But in this situation with the wildfires, I usually advise parents and teachers towards that reassurance. There's facts and there's ideas that children are and are not quite ready to accept at different ages and stages. And so the focus in these situations really needs to be on the adults who are here to keep them safe and redirecting attention away from like danger and all of that. And a very matter of fact, even tone towards like the procedural stuff. And I've explained to the kids in my class, those are trees burning. That's the smoke you smell. If they get too close to homes, people are moved out ahead of time. The smoke is irritating. It's not dangerous. And you know, we, we could get into technically, you know, there are wildfires where people didn't have a whole lot of time to get out or had no time to get out. But when you're talking with a three or four year old, it's not really time to split hairs and all the fine details because you really want them to feel safe and secure and to see the world as an orderly place where there are procedures and things, no matter what the bad thing is that's happening, there's something in place to deal with it. Even after things like these mass shootings, a pretty standard piece of advice is to focus on the helpers. Fred Rogers was known for saying that, and it makes a whole lot of sense, not just for children, but for all of us. We can keep our attention trained on where it is most productive by focusing on what's positive in in any given situation. We can focus on those helpers and on how things are getting resolved. And so now onto the risk. Uh, Today's episode is really why better, better safe than sorry is actually terrible advice. There are some quotes that I really live by, especially as an anxious person who still kind of wants to live a big, broad life. And Helen Keller actually has a quote which is really 
been powerful to me and, and has guided me through a lot and helped me just kind of feel more calm inside knowing that the world is often a stormy place. And so here's the quote by Helen Keller. She said, security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. And so I love that because we tend to spend and waste a lot of energy trying to make everything so safe for ourselves and our children. And if you think about it, a lot of the stuff that catches us off guard is not stuff that we saw coming and is not stuff that we really could have prepared for. There's another great quote by Friedrich Nietzsche. And there's a kind of a longer version, but the short version is really where he says, live dangerously, build your cities on the slopes of Vesuvius. And it's kind of a recipe for getting happiness out of life is to stop trying to make everything safe and just kind of accept that there are risks and dangers in the, in the world and you just have to kind of live anyway. And so as adults, we can apply this advice in our lives based on priorities. So we wear our seatbelt because it costs very little to snap the seatbelt on even if the risk is really remote and we're not going to get in an accident every time we drive, the payoff of having that seatbelt on is really big. So we just do it. Uh, generally, we try not to drink and drive because it's not worth it to to have that extra drink but then be over the limit and something bad happens. So we're really good at, at playing it safe when it makes sense to. And at the same time, knowing that some things are worth a little bit of risk and danger. Jean-Paul Sartre said that to know what life is worth, you have to risk it once in a while. And I totally agree with this advice. I mean, as an anxious person, it's more like you have to, to know what life is worth. You have to be willing to feel like your life is in danger once in a while at some primal level. Because it's not really that dangerous to be in these anxiety-provoking situations. But if all we do is avoid them, then we're kind of not going to know the whole uh, broad scope that life could be. And so a good example, a couple of years back, I really wanted to start traveling more on my own, which felt really scary, vulnerable, and a bit dangerous. What would I do all on my own if problems came up? And so first I got on a plane, went to Seattle from LA, only a couple hours. But it felt really powerful to me to, to kind of pull that off and have a successful trip. What little problems came up, I handled them, I enjoyed myself. And yeah, it just felt great. Worked my way up to flying to Alaska and then after that to Germany, which is a lifelong dream of mine. And it was just a huge confidence builder and helped me feel more in control of my life, like kind of the captain of the ship sort of thing. And it was great. And so these lessons stay with me as I work with children. There's a strong tendency of, of us adults to say things like, be careful, or that's not safe all day long to kids. It really comes naturally to us, at least in our culture. Because we want to keep the children safe, and it's literally our job, right? Uh, and I once had a co-teacher, co a really good co-teacher, who would always steer me away from those kind of phrases. Why? Because ultimately we have to send these children out into the world, which isn't a safe place. Safety is an illusion, right? So all we can do is our best to balance this risk and reward. And so we're really going to do children the most service by teaching them how to do this somewhat on their own and by starting that process. And so things like monkey bars and rope swings and building structures with crates and jumping off of them are a great way to do this for kids. Instead of not allowing them to do something because it feels dangerous to you. And, you know, by the way, every adult has a different comfort level with different risks. And so if you ask three different teachers what they think about having children play with sticks or having children do rough and tumble play, 
if you ask three different teachers, you're going to get three different answers. And probably at home, if you have two parents, you're probably going to have two different ideas. And so really, instead of not allowing a child to do something, it doesn't have to be black and white. It doesn't have to just be yes or no. We can carefully explain the situation to the child, or better yet, talk with them about it and help them make an informed choice rather than making it for them. I mean, as adults, we do have that bigger picture view of things. There's so many non-negotiables. You have to wear a seatbelt in the car. You got to wear a helmet when you're on a bike. You got to sit down while you're chewing food. Whatever the case may be, there's going to be plenty of non-negotiables, and that's fine. But even more so, because so often we're not able to give them the choice. We want to help children take back some of this power where they can. And we, as adults, have to ask ourselves what we're so afraid of. We have to stop being so afraid of them getting hurt. And you know what? Children also learn our own fears and our own phobias and anxiety. So we have to be careful to check that too and kind of give them this confident lens and view on life that no, life is not safe. Life is kind of a jungle and there's a lot of stuff out there. But we're also very powerful people who have decision-making abilities and we have a lot of resources in and out. Like We have resources within our bodies, within our minds, and we have resources all around us. And so... Yeah, the world can be overwhelming, but we have a lot to kind of fight back with. And so rather than putting children in a bubble, it's really beneficial to them to start now, to start this process now of helping them learn to navigate it on their own, or at least with our help and then with increasing independence as time passes. That's pretty much it for today. I don't have a right or a wrong answer to any given situation, whether you should be making a decision for a child or letting it go completely or talking with them, really what I'm encouraging you to do is to think it over. Maybe you can loosen up a little bit. Maybe where there's a rule, where there's a, you may or may not do this, maybe we can have a guideline instead. I often push my staff in that direction or my coworkers or whoever, does this have to be a rule? Do we have to say uh, no sitting on tables because you might fall off? Do we have to say that? Or can we do a guideline and say, you know, I notice you're sitting in a way that you could get hurt. You could tumble and you could fall down and kind of think aloud a little bit. If you're not really sure, that's okay. You can kind of let them know you're not really sure and you're thinking about the risk and how to manage it. By modeling this process of how you arrive at a decision for them, you're allowing them to learn about how to do that. And if you can turn over a little bit more of the power to them, then they're going to start learning by doing right now. And so that's something I often do too, is if you have a rule, maybe it can be a guideline. And if you have a guideline, maybe it can be something you take a step back on a little bit. That's another way to help this whole process of evolution and development move forward.